And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Happy New Year to you, my man, Josh, and to everybody that's going to tune in to the Weighing In Podcast. We hope that your 2024 is unbelievable. Only good things happening. Well, if that happens, it's amazing. But I hope that your 2024 <laughs> is fantastic. How was your How was your New Year's celebration? It was good. It was uh, first time here in Texas and enjoying it with some friends that we have here that actually moved from California and moved from Georgia and moved from New York and everyone that was kind of from different states. And uh, it was a good time. We had a great time. It was relaxing. Kids were running around playing. And uh, we had the little area set up with, you know, the confetti and the, the little makeshift um hats and the glasses and the all the all the stuff you do for for new year's you know uh, it was good we had a great time man it was relaxed it was chill a lot of food and uh i'm on the no drink thing so it's uh you know it was kind of a you don't realize how much alcohol keeps you awake uh-oh <laughs> did you kill your skin all that technology oh, everything Jeez, please hold, ladies and gentlemen. Please hold. Ladies and gentlemen, we are not going to let this go. We are not going to take this off. This is Josh's beautiful big screen that he put in there for this yeah. fantastic weighing in background. And it has remember, failed him. <laughs> remember, I literally told him, keep the iPad beside you so you can yeah. keep that on the screen. You oh, told him, boy. Dave. But then again, oh, boy, how many times does he listen? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> negative. Times. So, as we said, we hope your 2024 is fantastic because Josh's is already falling apart. <laughs> oh. Well, it's well, typical. It is typical. I love it. Horrible, so much for man. technology. It's great, but it just doesn't work for us. No. <laughs> and Josh, while you're at it, uh, turn your headphone dial to like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock as well. Turn my what down? Your headphone dial to like 10 o'clock as well. Jeez. You're a 10 o'clocker. It's, it's cranked up right now. I can hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I, right. I haven't touched it, but yeah. All right, all right, well, all right. Well, let's try, to roll, let's try to start this thing over again, right? I mean, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no we're not starting it over, but I'm saying let's, let's get restarted, yeah. I should say. Yeah, thank you oh, very man. much. I like oh. that. Obviously, that no alcohol and no eating is making everything <laughs> fall apart there quickly. It's so difficult, man. It's so difficult. Ooh. Uh, That's why I, I have every. I have those people, you know, say, oh, yeah, just do this. It's a five-day water fast. You can do it. It's easy. Yep. And I think of going fucking five days without eating, and I go... No, it's not. It's I don't not want easy. To do that. No, that's not easy. Well, I have a headache. Well, that's kind of what I got. I'm going through right now. I've, I'm coming up on the end of my second day, and it's just one of those things where I can. I'm doing fine without the food. I just keep putting water into me, and then um, yeah. I was told that you can do like I do, like electrolytes. You do like a little thing with electrolytes in it. I'll do some electrolytes and water, and then I'll do a little bit of bone broth. So it's just water with bone broth in it. So I'll do that. But that's that's all I've done so far the last two days. And so it's not it hasn't been bad. It's just towards the like seems like towards the end of the day, I get a little bit of the headache. And like I'm I'm getting a little one earlier, probably about an hour ago, I started getting one. And um it's not too bad though. It's not like like when I had COVID, COVID was the shit. That fucking headache was the worst. <laughs> I don't think I've one. never I never was someone that had that really got headaches. 
But man, that headache was the worst. It was definitely the worst. But I mean, here I, we are. I've, I've we'll done see. I've done good with uh, no headaches until my neck stuff. And boy, that was mm. it. That's when you learn. Yep, this is what headaches are. Just wake up with them. Horrible. Yeah, I've I've heard I've Dark heard that. You know what's funny is when I went I went in to get I had some a pinched nerve and I had the nerve that pinched down my arm, and it went my three fingers were numb like these three fingers right here were numb. It went all the way down my arm. <clears throat> so I go into the the doctor's like, yeah, I'm, I'll do like an epidural. Like we'll just basically kind of like numb the nerve a little bit. And then hopefully that'll bring the inflammation down and go from there and see if that works. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I went in, got it done. Perfect. Like within, within like within 24 hours, no pain, all the numbness was gone, everything. He's like, all right, that's great. He's like, it may come back though within like a 30 to 40 day period. So just be careful with it. I'm like, all right, never, never had the problem again. Knock on wood. That being said, John, when you're talking about, oh, you get headaches, you know, because you start having neck problems. When I was filling out the questionnaire, the first three questions on that questionnaire were, are you suicidal? Have, how have you thought about kim- killing? Like, and if you have, what are the ways you've thought about it? And is it like, how often do you think? I was like, those are the first three questions. Like, yeah. what do you, like, if, what, would you have pain? Like, what, it wasn't any of that. It was, you have neck pain. You have neck problems and you have numbness. What do you have? Okay. And then it says, um, are you suicidal? I was like, what the fuck? What the hell? Like that, that was a reality check for me of people that are, that are dealing with pain. Like when they got low back pain, they got neck pain. They've got these. I was like, wow. Wow. That's, that's, you know, it's funny because I'm one, I'm one of those same guys, you know, all the, all the people that are you know, getting in trouble, go to the jail. Hey, I just want everyone. I'm not suicidal. Well, I'm mm-hmm. not suicidal in any fashion. Yeah. I have, you know, there is no ever thought, but I'll tell you what, when I was going through the bad part of my neck, when, but you know, before I really, you know, was able to get some of it fixed. Cause I was getting the same thing, the stinger going down my arm, but it, it would fire off and it would fire off for about five seconds mm-hmm. up to 15 and then it would go away for about five seconds and then it would start right back up got it and i dude i did not sleep i mean it was nasty and it's like one of those i can understand what's this you know, i can't de- i can't deal with this it's either i gotta get fixed or i'm going away because man mm-hmm. this is not this is not something that you can just sit here and live with forever so it's quality yeah, of life that's kind of quality i can't imagine if i had that numbness in my hand my arm down my arm into my oh. hand my whole life oh it'd be horrible it was just horrible um but but back to new year's let's talk about some good stuff man new year's here was Let's great talk. um you know, they, did, they did a light show downtown it was beautiful it was, it was actually done with drones it was a really cool light show that they did with drones it was awesome um you know i didn't know I, what i didn't realize though is that people here I saw people just pull over on the side of the highway and they were like staking their spot for like to watch the drone show from the highway. Cause you can yeah. see downtown from there. So they just pull over on the side of the road and started watching it from there. I'm like, this doesn't seem safe, but every, everyone just kind of stopped in the roads. <laughs> it was like, it was like right around that time. They actually showed clips of it on TV about how people were just stopping their cars on the highway or on the roads just to watch the, the shows, the light show, the, the fireworks to, to take in the new year. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I mean, I don't know how safe that is, but got to get the best seat right off the highway, man. Absolutely. <laughs> how was, how was your new year's? My new year's was boring as hell. As far as the new year's Eve. I mean, it was like my, my daughter, uh, 
took off from Michigan uh, with uh, her fa- family and stuff to go up there to see people. And uh, I was just like, hey, what are we going to do? Yeah, let's go out to dinner. Okay, we went out to dinner. Hey, what are we going to do? Nah, I'm just going to watch TV. Did you make I it watched, to midnight? I, watched, I made it to midnight and yeah. said goodbye. How did Miss McCarthy make it to midnight? No, she did not. She did not. <laughs> no, she did not. No, she said, "Screw this, I'm tired. I'm out." Do you look at me? But see, hold on, Miss McCarthy. I got to give her big props. She's been married to you for forty years. Absolutely, damn give her straight. Props. That, you know, you talk about how what a lucky person she is. Jeez, it's amazing. Please, <laughs> but, oh. you know, look, my wife did did not you know ever you know put in for being a uh, farmhand mm. and man you know she's up at seven o'clock in the morning with me freezing outside you know 25 degrees shoveling cow shit and just being a farmer we're cleaning chicken coops i'm feeding pigs she's doing the chickens we go over to the goats take care of the goats then go to the cows and the donkeys and you know what my hat's off to her because she puts up with all that shit and she's handling it well, but she does not make it long into the night. The night is not part of her equation anymore. She goes, I'm out. She's not Jeez. making dinner for young kids anymore. She yeah. don't care. She's like, all right, just you can take care of yourself. Yeah, that's it. You're, you're on your own. But yeah. Oh, man. Oh, well, that's good. Dave, what about you, buddy? I'm not going to leave you out. Yeah, man. How was your New Year's? Um you know what we did? We pulled up the spreadsheets. Uh, we wrote down spreadsheets. That <laughs> does not, the not sheet, sound like not, fun not either. The, not the bed sheets. The spreadsheets. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we well, then you had a Josh, much better night than both of us. <laughs> um, and then we uh, basically planned out our twenty-four. This was yeah. We didn't do anything. We sat up with champagne and we just nice. wrote out kind of everything that needs to happen this year. Ooh, there you go. You're making plans. And, the wedding coming up and wow. budgeting and just all that crap. Yeah. Dave oh, man. spending the big the bucks money. on the big wedding. Here it goes. All out the no, door. No, 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 no. He's just like trying to Johnny Menzel out there. <laughs> trying to figure out how to not spend the money. That's, that's why right. I had the spreadsheets. Yeah, good you're luck. screwed. Bed sheets. Good luck. You're screwed. Well, uh, good times. Oh, up. man. I, were the, did the kids make it? Did they make it to midnight? My kids, no. No. no I had them down by like 8.30. <laughs> In fact, I didn't let them. I didn't let them. They nap didn't have on. a choice. Yeah, I didn't let them nap on uh, on Monday because I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get them so tired yeah. that they want to go to bed. Yeah. Uh, I know when my little one says, "I'm tired." That yep. yeah. Okay. No problem. Day. Right to bed. Right to bed. <laughs> exactly. That's good. Uh, I mean, like, it, I think it was a good 2023. Was definitely a different year. I mean, for me, uh, the move was a big deal. You know, here to Texas. Oh, I'm still making the adjustments. You know, we, um, it just really was a, a big change. There's a lot of positives, a lot of, ne- not, I wouldn't say a lot of negatives, just different. Yeah, there was. There's a lot of negatives. Let's be honest. What's the negative? We lost our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, John, you've been in, you've, you've had several jobs. I lost jobs both to- of my parents in 2023. That that's sucked. Not, that's not good. That, that's a, 2023 was just not a good fucking year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's all good. You know what? You got to make it through all those things. When, yeah, I, I lost my dad at a young age. And so it was, I remember that year very, uh, very, um, very well. It just, uh, it, it becomes one of those things that the next year, you know, it's, it can't get any worse. There you go. And then you just build on from there. I mean, 
you said us losing our jobs and I was about to go into this whole thing. Like John, you and I have had over the years, I don't know how many jobs. I mean, I've had so many jobs. <clears throat> My first job ever that I ever had was a, at a trap and skeet range. And I was the kid that pushed the button for all the rich guys in the, in the freezing snow. Cause I was living in Idaho at the time. I was 12 years old. I'd walk, no joke. I'd walk a mile and a half, kind of on a slight uphill, uphill kind of on a slight uphill. <laughs> And then I actually had to take another road back because the slide uphill, especially depending on what time of the year it was, which was normally during the wintertime, it was a little too icy to walk down. And so I had to walk the other, like another road back that was a little bit more flat. It was, it was in uh it wasn't uphill, but it was more flat. The hill that I had to walk going backwards, going back home, it was too much downhill. So then I actually, um, and I'm kind of having to walk uphill both ways. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> when I think about it now, but uh, that was my, but then look, every job progressively got better. Losing a job is normally an opening for something new. That's so it. you just, what, what is the, what comes from it and make 2024 even better? I mean, have we technically lost our jobs yet? No, I just, you know, <laughs> Bellator was taking absorbed by the PFL. And so you look and you go, well, they just took the company that yeah. I worked for. Yeah. Where, where am I going? <laughs> You know, but I'm excited to see, like, we did the year-end show uh, that was our, our MMA award show. The, the show before that, we did a fight breakdown of <clears throat> what fights we would like to see the most the UFC put on a card. And we did the same thing for PFL Bellator. We're now with the the absorption of um, Bellator into the PFL. And look, all the, all the time, all we hear is, oh, it'd be so cool if you saw this fighter fight this fighter. Well, now you yep. had two of the bigger promotions. No, not the biggest, obviously, but Bellator being probably number two PFL being number three, you know, right there. And now you have those two promotions that merged and we can finally say, Hey, now what happens if Sadabusi fights, you know, uh, Jason Jackson, or if you have, you know, Amasov versus Magomed Karamov or, you know, whoever, but whatever, those are some names off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, we can finally say like, Hey, listen, we're going to find out. And it was no it different happen. than when strike force went over to the UFC. It's like, finally, we'd be able to see, you know, who yeah. these guys are that were that um, from Strike Force, how well they would do over there. It was no different than when the WC went into the UFC. It was great because now you get to see if those 55 pounders could could tow their weight. And they did. They did just fine. You know, Pettis yeah. had a rough start, I think, with Clay Guido. That was Clay his, Guido. Yeah. yeah. But you got to take a look. I always looked at that and I was like, why did the UFC want to do that fight? Because if you're going to look at the person at that time, Mm-hmm. you know pettis was coming off of his win over benson henderson you know the one where he jumped off to the yep. cage and kicked him and thing and, you know, and everyone thinks that was a knockout and the fight went to a decision but mm-hmm. he won the title and then you put him against the person that is his absolute worst matchup you know and you just, i was just looking at that one i was like it just didn't make sense yeah. but you know sometimes you know <laughs> there's reasons why they want to do things but yeah a lot of the, you take a look at what those people in the WEC at the 155 because there was a 155 class in the UFC and the 155 class uh, in the WEC, nothing below it in the UFC. Mm-hmm. But you know that was a there was some some guys in that WEC that definitely made their mark, definitely those... came out and shined. I mean, you had so many good guys out of the WC. I mean, I can't even, like, you have Mike Brown yeah, that came out of there. Benson. Now look at him, one of the best coaches ever. Yeah. 
you know, um, <clears throat> you got Benson Henderson, you got Pettis, you've got, Pettis, I mean, there were Cerrone. so many good Uriah Faber. I mean, um, uh, Aldo, Jose, uh, Jose Aldo, of course, Cubs I mean, Swanson, who's still Cubs fighting, Swanson still fighting <clears throat> a lot of good, good fighters out of there, oh. you know, and you know, I caught some flack a long time ago, back in the day, um, because I said, I was like, well, look, you know, the UFC owns the WC and if those guys were any good, they'd be in the UFC. <laughs> yeah, but that's what you got to say back then. That's what I had to say back then. Yeah, I was like, you know, but, yeah. um, but that was more you, because, okay, I, okay, but let's look and, and you got to be honest about this. You, you make those comments and you say that, but when you're watching those guys, you go, no, that guy's good. Well, Donald Cerrone no. was from there too. Like yeah. he was the guy that I always wanted to fight. In no disrespect to him whatsoever, I had nothing but respect for the guy. He just he carried himself really well. Every time I met him or I talked to him or I saw him at events, he was a fan favorite. You know, I kind of knew what I was getting myself. That he was taller. He was kind of tough to deal with. He had he had good submissions off of his back, yeah. as I recall. Very good ground game. Very good, good, very good attacks. He was he was a very well rounded fighter. <clears throat> And he would fight whoever. He didn't care. And uh, I always admired him for that. You know, um, other guys, I didn't really know enough about Benson. I didn't know enough about Pettis. I think right at that time when they were coming up, I was like, oh, yeah, they're flat. You know, not not Benson wasn't flashy, but P Pettis was kind of flashy. I'm like, ah, he could be taken down. He could be controlled. He could be dominated. Like, that's kind of what my mentality was with him. With Benson, I was like, he just doesn't do anything great that I think that I, I wouldn't be able to stop. He was just a really good, well-rounded fighter. solid everywhere. Yeah, I mean, like you look at George St. Pierre. He was never the best anywhere, but he just seemed very good everywhere. And uh, I think that's kind of – I kind of <clears throat> took a lot from what I saw from GSP. I was like, I don't have to be the best anywhere. Just got to be very good everywhere because if you're very good everywhere, you can exploit someone's weaknesses, and they all have weaknesses. You just got to be able to get to it. Yep. And uh, uh, he, that's, what, that's what made GSP so good. You know, I thought Cerrone was, you know, one of the other guys that was never get, never got enough credit was Carlos Condon. You know, he was. Oh, from my there. God. Yeah. <clears throat> he was from the WEC and he was just yeah, a he was savage. the welterweight champion. Yeah, he was just a savage, man. He just never got the credit he deserved. Never got the he was he was always, he was very good. He did get credit. Don't get me wrong, but not on the level of which like a Matt Hughes, a GSP or even BJ Penn when he went to 70, like all those guys, they all got they just got pumped up so much. And Carlos Condit, uh, just, he just did everything so well. Was nasty on the ground. Was good on the feet. His, fact, his fight everywhere. with his fight with Dan Hardy was oh. like I was just like, oh, what are the most vicious knockouts? And just in in exchange, where whoever got the whose chin yeah, first yeah. probably would have won that fight, and it That's was him. Yeah. And just a, an overall great, uh, great performance, great career by uh, Carlos Condit. Anyways, um, look, I have nothing but. Uh, I look back at 2023 and I'm like, man, it was just a lot of uh, a lot of emotional roller coasters. I mean, I know for you it was, but a lot of emotional. It was an emotional roller coaster, you know. Not only what's going on with Bellator, how much of a problem was that for you? I mean, for me, I was like, for me, and now everyone that worked with us was. We kept hearing that it was going to happen. We knew back in like March, April, people were talking about it. You know, they were talking about oh, it in yeah. March and April. Like we knew back oh, in like yeah, I would say probably like late February, March. The joke went around that, oh, yeah, PFL is probably going to buy us. And then literally, like, we started hearing within, like, a couple weeks that PFL was going to buy us. And I was like – and then then it was, like, a couple – like, a month or two later, I think um, Ariel came out with it or someone came out with it and said, 
that the PFL was looking to buy Bellator. And I was like, oh, like it's, you know, like it was, it was, we already knew that it would sound legit it's public info. It's public info now. Yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. Cause like it was something we just were not allowed to discuss or talk about or anything like that. If we had heard anything, but uh, yeah, I mean, now here we are. And I'm looking forward to seeing some of these fights, John. Some of the the PFL Bellator crossover fights, I'm definitely looking yeah. forward to seeing. So, um, oh, hopefully, we get some, to be part of it. Some good ones in there. Yeah, I'm hoping to be able to be part of it and uh, sit cage side and do cage side commentary, whatever it is, because they don't they don't have a desk normally, whereas what I do. <clears throat> but um, but I definitely enjoy the cage side commentary, as you recall. Majority of what you and I did was case yeah. we worked together case shot commentary and then because you didn't like to fly, no, it was I got stuck doing all the European shows. I wouldn't say I got stuck. I actually really enjoyed going you over enjoyed there. It. there because those European fighters to me, John, they I don't know what it is about them. When I think of like homegrown fighter, just they're just I don't know. They there's something about them that are just good good people i don't know i just i feel like they there's something different about a european fighter whether they're from dublin whether they're from the uk whether they're from italy something about them that just that just hits home with me i don't know it's weird i have a lot i got a lot of love and a lot of respect for them they've got um they fight their asses off they um they say what's on their mind <laughs> it's they're they're fun they're fun as hell to be around they're funny they're yeah, funny. The, they're, they you know, funny. they just really all seem like really good people. I've not yet to meet like I've, I haven't met one that is um that I haven't really clicked with or got along with. Majority yeah, of the no. European fighters, they're all just really good people. Seem like really good people. So all, it's what's the funny part for me with <clears> them is they all have a a background. You know, and every, obviously everyone has a background, but they have a background that they'll talk about that got them to why they're doing MMA. Yeah, and and you know some of them. Are, well, I was oh, I, Charlie Ward is one of my favorite. You know, and uh, Charlie is so funny because he says he goes MMA. He goes hell, I was doing it for free. Why not? Of course, <laughs> you know I I was gonna yeah. get paid. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah, well, that's about it. So this is true. But no, they're all they're all good people, and it's it's fun. It's fun to watch them as they're they grow as a fighter and they're all of a sudden they're starting to get a little bit of shine not from where they're from which is you know people know them and usually not from england since england had like cage warriors and for a while bama and things like that they might be known there but all of a sudden internationally they start to get known in the states or you know in other places and Man, that to them and the way that that makes them feel, it's so good to see because that's their idea. I've made it. Yeah. You know, and it's just neat to see. No, it's awesome. And um, they're just like they said, like you said, they're very good people. They're energetic. They're good to be around. Like they're always kind of like the life of the party when you see them afterwards, win or lose. They've always seemed yep. like they've got a good spirit about them. So um yeah um what was your highlights give me give me one or two of your highlights of the of 2023 highlight of 2023 <laughs> <So many> low lights <laughs> ah first off the highlight of 2023 for me is all my grandkids that were born i'm just gonna yeah. be honest i had uh well 20 
two, almost three, but two born. And all I can tell people is, you know, everyone's got their idea of what's important. And I know, you know, when I was young, what I thought was important was, is not what, you know, I think is important now, but family and taking care of your family and, and making sure that, you know, they're set up for their future and stuff. That to me is what's important. And I want, I'm able to be around not all of my grandkids because three of my grandkids are still in California. I still am trying to pull them back. My <laughs> <way>. <laughs> but, but I have three that are, you know, here. And, uh, I mean, I get to spend all the time on the farm. My, my, uh, now he's not my youngest, my second to the youngest, uh, grandson, JJ, he, uh, he lives on the farm with me and stuff. So I get to see him every day. Mm-hmm. And I get to just, you know, have fun with him and watch him laugh. And it's just, there's nothing better because I don't have the responsibility as a father like you, mm-hmm. you know, or as a parent and stuff. So I can do, I, I get to do the fun stuff. I get to be the, you know, the the clown with him. And then when he, you know, when he craps and diaper, here, here you go. I just get him right back over. What I got. <laughs> what I got. I don't miss the diaper yeah. stage, bud. No, nope, don't miss the diaper <laughs> stage at all. But I think I've cleaned twice that's it that's it done twice (laughs) yeah there was no one else there to hand him off to so okay i'll do it but all right i got it i got it i see i saw him running around with his new tractor and he's got his cow in the back and his bull dude he's he puts either the bull or the cow he wants the bull or the cow he'll drag it over there and stick it in the back and he drives that thing he drives the wheels off of that thing i swear to god it's hysterical and he goes he will travel from the house through through the fields to all the pins <laughs> the animals and stuff and he's just driving man and he's happy That's he's awesome. just happy driving and he, you know you go to take him off of it all of a sudden he's not happy so he's just having fun on it it's that that was see again you know a stupid purchase like that yeah just to get the joy out of him it's worth you know every little bit it's true it is true i think like you said what you find is it's not <clears throat> The things that were important to you when you were younger are not as important anymore. Nah. You find joy in other things, you know, and, uh, you know, for me more so I find joy in seeing, see my son play lacrosse, you know, see my daughter hang out and she's, you know, we were at American Ninja Warrior place today and the two of them doing their thing, trying to jump from one thing to the next. And That's... yeah, it's just little things like that make a big difference and, yep. um, <clears throat> and how involved you are and, you know, doing photos with them, videoing them, seeing how they can improve on things. You know, um, in the last probably three weeks, I've taken, you know, my son out, we're doing sprints at the track now. Like he is not me. He is, <laughs> and, um, you know, and, uh, I say, how are those stem cells doing? Yeah. I can't do anything with the stem cells. <laughs> yeah. He is right now, but I will, I will be with him though. I got to get this fucking, this dad bod's got to go, buddy. It's got to go. It's got to go. This water fast is hopefully going to make a little bit of a difference. And I got to also take care of my body for the next, you know, 30, 40 years. You want to see grandchildren? I want to see grandchildren myself, my man. There you go. It's very important. It's very important to try to make it through, you know, the longer you live, the more you get to spend more time with the family that you, you love. So it's going to be important. John, t- but t- tell me, what what would you like to see as your highlight for 2024? In the fight well, world, not, nothing 20- else. 20, fight world, fight world-wise. Fight world-wise. My highlight is Conor McGregor is actually going to fight, I think. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be. I honestly, my my highlight is gonna be this. I want to see, 
I want to see the fighters grow. I want to see the sport grow. I love where MMA is at right now. And, and Josh, it's a different thing, you know, because, you know, I, I'm an old guy and, you know, there's people that, you know, know what I've done. There's people that have no idea what I've done. And I don't, it doesn't matter to me in either way. But to see something that you were part of in the beginning and to see where it was and to see where it is now and then to kind of look and say, how much farther can it go? How much bigger can it get? You know, and I honestly think in 2024, I think you're going to see a sizable increase in what's happening with MMA. I think that there's so many things that can take place and that are going to take place. There's going to be some magic in 2024. So I look forward to that. You know, I look forward to the, the, the whole thing with the PFL taking over Bellator and some of those matchups that can happen. I look forward to UFC 300, the fact that they made it, you know, and, you know, when you take a look and say, it's UFC 300, it's really like UFC 700 and something or other, you know, let's <laughs> yeah. be honest. But, you know, just the way they've done it and everything, that's a, that's a, that's a shining moment and everything. I just, the sport is still growing. And I love the fact that I get to watch that. You like where the sport is at right now? Other than, I like the where the sport's at. Mm-hmm. I don't like where the fighters are at as far as how they're gaining attention. Mm. I don't like, you know, the Colby Covington type of uh, media and what he what he's bringing to that. And it's I shouldn't I don't want to put that all on Colby. That's not you know all on Colby. It's that style. I can't stand it. That drives mm-hmm. me nuts because yeah. it's it's so. <laughs> there's so many things that are happening. You know, and uh, I I can bring up fighters that are doing things. With Sean Strickland is one right now that you know you take a look, and you know this is a guy who became a champion. He's my fighter of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, for when we did our award stuff, I think he has had an incredible 2023. But he's had some moments lately. He had this the stupid you know incident that happened at the fights with him and DDP, and you know that shouldn't have happened. But I kind of understand why it did. And he's had a couple of instances on shows. He had the Theo Vaughn thing. He broke down. Mm-hmm. And people need to understand. You know, they, they look at someone like Sean Strickland and they go, oh, you know, he's, he's a, you know, a fighter. You know, he's just, you know, he's a you know, deadhead. He just, you know, says what he wants. He has feelings. He has memories. He has demons. And those demons sometimes are not his fault. And this happens with a lot of fighters and stuff. And, you know, you take a look and people too many times dehumanize fighters based upon the fact that they're, they go in there and they punch another person and they, they have no feelings. They have no emotions. It's bullshit. Fighters are people. They have problems like everyone else. They have mental breakdowns at times. They have physical breakdowns. They have so many things that are you know normal every day happens to everyone but everyone looks at them like oh they have to handle it different they can't handle it different they're human you know and i I look at those things and some of the some of them when i'm looking to see what ddp does as far as the talk and if he starts to bring that crap up then i'm going to put him in the colby covington section of you're crossing the line because everyone 
has problems. I mean, do you think people that are listening to this right now are saying, well, Sean's went in on guys like Ian Gary before. You're right. He did with the whole thing with the wife and you, but he tried to make it funny, but there's a difference when you, when you take a look at someone and the way they grew up, you know, and, and you know how your father was and, you know, I know how my father was and again, my father was fantastic, but was he perfect? Hell no. You know, and there was things that he did that he was, you know, he was like, you know, there was one incident I would say, he, he had something with me and then he realized he was wrong. And then he started punching himself. <laughs> you know? And you look back and, you know, he's human. Mm-hmm. Those things, you know, you can make a mistake. And when you make that mistake, you know, you feel terrible, but you cannot underestimate what someone went through at times and what scarring that did to that person, you know, Part of it is what makes them who they are, mm-hmm. you know? And one of the things that I learned from my dad was, you know, my dad was on his own basically from the time he was 13 years of age. Okay. And, you know, he made an incredible life for me, for my sister, for my family, as far as, you know, he worked all kinds of jobs. He became very famous for what he did with uh, SWAT and stuff like that he became someone special and I learned from him. He he goes, never make excuses. I don't care what your background is. You make the decision. Do you want to be good or do you want to be bad? Do you want to be the shithead? Do you want to be the person that helps out? And that's the thing, you know, use as you know, the kid, you don't get the choice of who your dad is. You don't get the choice of if he's good or not. You know, and when you get the bad one and the one that does things that permanently scar you, those things stay with you. You can suppress them and you can put them, you know, in the back closet and act like they never happened, but they did. And eventually they're going to come out. Yeah. Eventually you're going to have to deal with them. And part of that is what we're seeing. I think the sport itself, and this goes for a lot of sports, but I'm saying, you know, a lot of kids they engulf themselves into the sport that they love the most to get themselves out of the things that are going on at home. And so whether it was boxing, kickboxing, soccer, you know, jujitsu, it doesn't matter. Look at a lot of the kids that have come from Brazil that grew up in the favelas, you know, they just immerse themselves in jujitsu because they wanted to leave and get out of there. A lot of the coaches would just let them train, let the young kids train there if they had talent and they weren't, and they were taking it serious. They would let them train there to get them off the streets. You know, um, you see it all the time. And fighters are something that is, fighters are people. We know that. But it's, there's a lot that comes along with them. A lot of baggage. Almost all yeah. of them. You know, and um, I can speak for myself. There's a lot of baggage that comes with me. You know, and um, it just, it translates into how hard I trained, how focused I was during certain stuff during certain times, understanding where I, what my goals were, um, was because I didn't want to go, go back to this house or go back to this home or go back to, and that goes for a lot of these fighters and they understand what, why would I want to go back here when I know that I'm having more fun here? Like all my 
all my problems, all the things that are in my mind, they're all, I, I don't, I don't even think about them when I'm in this location. If I'm on a basketball court, if I'm on a tennis court, or if I'm on a, on a jiu-jitsu mat or a wrestling mat, they're not even in my mind. All that's in my mind is winning. And, um, it's, it's crazy how sports can do that. Now fighters, they have a little bit more baggage, I think, than most football players, most basketball players or tennis players, golf players, whatever it is. They tend to carry a little bit more baggage. Majority of them have, we're just cut from a different cloth. And, um, I would say majority of them didn't grow up in <clears throat> nice areas, you know, um, two, two parent homes, you know, those type of things. Yeah. And it translates into how hard they fight, how hard they train and they give their all in that. <clears throat> and they really, they display their emotions on there. I mean, you've seen fighters break down after fights, winning and losing because it's so much went into it and where they've come from. I mean, I just about broke down when I heard Pantoja's uh, interview oh, afterwards. When he, dude, when he won that title and things he was saying, <clears throat> mm -hmm. I mean, you take if you don't feel for that guy and yeah. understand what he's doing, he's everything that he did to get to that point is to prove to somebody, I have value. I'm good. Yeah. You know, and it's if there was one thing I wish that, you know, fighters did more of, you know, and you bring up like the NFL, the, the best part about the NFL is it's a business and the players that make it understand it's a business and they treat it like a business and they do the work that is needed to stay and be part of that business where many times fighters they're just so good. They don't put in that work. And it happens with, with, you know, NFL players too. You know, they're so talented that they can make it for a while, but you can't stay mm -mm. if you don't have that work ethic. Mm -hmm. And you'll, you'll see that. And I, it, it would, I always want fighters to look at that and mimic and understand, Hey, don't take this for granted. Don't look at this like it's going to last forever. Use everything you can to make what you can and be what you can but treat it like the business that it is and treat it with respect and don't slack off. Mm -hmm. you know, easy to say. Well, I'd, I would like to see <clears throat> the high. I think the highlight for me in terms of 2024, what I'd like to see is how the crossover happens with the PFL and Bellator. I want to yeah. see the fighters get the best opportunities they can to shine. I want to see them uh, raise to a higher level as high as they possibly can. And um, as for the UFC guys, I think it's a great time right now for you guys to be there. It's a great time for you guys to get exposure. Um, you've got the biggest marketing tool behind you guys, marketing your guys' platform. It's how you guys make it, how you guys make yourself shine is what's going to elevate you to the next level. Um <clears throat> You know, Chael had, had brought this up, I think, a couple of times. Don't waste your opportunity in front of that mic by saying, yeah, Dana, whoever he wants, da, da, da. No. Whatever you guys want. Have who you have somebody in mind. These are the two guys. You know what? If he's not ready, I want this one. Have them in mind.
because what you're doing is you're making the matchmaker's job a lot easier and they're going to remember that. You know what? That is a good fight. That's a guy that interests him. Okay, let's get it going. Now you might get rebuttaled obviously by, you know, by the matchmakers or by Dana, but at least you planted the seed that that's a fight that I'm looking forward to. And uh, that, they keep that in the back of their mind. Um, all of that, the, the crossover, I'm interested to see what happens with Francis, what he does in boxing. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's so funny. I was looking at something today because, you know, Eddie Hearn is the management basically and promoter for Anthony Joshua. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before there was ever the Nagano fight with uh, Fury, you know, it's, it's ridiculous joke, you know, shouldn't happen. You know, no, we would never do something like that. I just saw today thing Eddie Hearn saying, what a stupendous and incredible fight that would be. <laughs> Think about selling that. It would be unbelievable. I'm like, oh, now it's unbelievable. Yeah. But it is. You know, he's, it, that would be the the just the the lead up to that fight. Man, look out. Look out. Francis is in that position right now. That's a good position to be in. Mm-hmm options yeah sometimes options are you know they're always good sometimes you know you don't know exactly which direction to go but they're always good but everybody wants this guy named francis Ngano right now and that's good for him because he's a good guy well i look at it is fighters like you said options and they just went right to me saying fighters if you're in the ufc or if you're in pfl or if you're in bellator this is one of those years where you need to set yourself aside, set yourself apart and take a look at your options. Oh yeah. You know, and I've said this, I don't know how many times, you know, with Anthony rumble Johnson, one of the biggest things was to leave. I mean, he got released, but he left, went to the world series of fighting, did a great job, came back, found what weight class he wanted to fight at and had a great career, you know? And, uh, then, then he asked for his release from the UFC. He got his release, came over to Bellator to enter the tournament. Had a very shaky first fight, but he still got the win. It was in the tournament and, you know, was supposed to get into the semifinals and then got sick and ill. But like it was, what I'm saying though, is that he made a lot more money exploring the options, going somewhere else, you know, and fighting, making a name for himself, winning there and then coming back to the UFC and then being offered a lot more money. The options are out there for everyone. So don't, don't just think that, if I fight here, then I'll never make it there. Or don't just think if I'm already here, I'm going to stay here. No, sometimes leaving and coming back is, is a better idea. Sometimes as long as you know be. that you're good. If you take a look at what's out there, I can make this well, much more. It's also like, no, no matter what, if you leave, if, if you're in the UFC and you leave and you go somewhere else, you, you're gambling on yourself. Yeah. Who <clears> better to gamble on? Who's in control of it? Yeah. You're the one in control of it. So those are those situations, man. It is get to that point where you have the ability to be in control and do it. True. So. All right. Well, hey, we've rambled on long enough for about 40 minutes, I think. I know. <laughs> 40 minutes. Podcast Dave right yeah. now is pulling his He's hair He's just out like, right come now. on. Can <laughs> we get going, to the fight talk? Let's you, get to the money. I was actually... I was actually trying to find a picture of Mike Perry. Mike Perry. I saw something with him and like a stack of money recently. Oh. I don't know if this was it, but but I was just thinking, and you guys were talking about that. Like he's a prime example. Prime where example. He let Mike. Perry. He left. 
with no name, right? Almost no name, and now he's one of the most talked about guys, in, um, kind of in, in the mainstream mm-hmm. for this for combat sports right now. Mike Perry found his home. Mike Perry is sitting now in a position where everybody wants to, you know, be around Mike Perry. They want. Oh, you want to fight Mike Perry? No. Yeah, <laughs> let's just be honest. Not not in that one, but Mike Perry has proved. You know, but again, he bet on himself. He went there. He had took a fight. I think it was Julian Lane was his first fight. Put on a great performance. Julian Lane actually fought a great performance himself. And then he goes and he fights MVP. Right. Then he goes and he fights Luke Rockhold. Then he goes and he fights Eddie Alvarez, and he. He has made it. He has made where he has taken over an entire promotion. That's great. That promotion is got Mike Perry's face all over it. He owns it right now. You look at that and you go, way to go, dude. Absolutely insane. I'm a huge fan of this sport, man. This bare knuckle thing's got me. He's got, it's got me. It's got me in really. Yeah, it's. It's different. It's, it's not diff- what people think. No, it's it's but. it's fast action. It's quick rounds. They come out swinging. They toe the line. I love this whole concept. Of what they're doing. Um, the fighters are fighting their asses off. It's bloody mess. You know, you're gonna end up with some scars, some missing teeth. But it's just, I don't know. It's just, it makes me feel. Look, I grew up fighting a lot in the streets. A lot in the streets. Streets, nightclubs, bars didn't matter. I was fighting. You know, and it just, it didn't matter. But this, this gives me that throwback of this is, it gives you that energy of there's nothing, there's nothing controlling you anymore. There's no gloves on my hands. This is real. Like if my hand makes contact with your face, it just feels different. If you've never been in a street fight, a real street fight, like, like training MMA is one thing. You got the padded gloves on, you're sparring with 16 ounce gloves. You're wearing the MMA gloves. It's not the same. No. If you think it's the same, take a look at Luke Rockhold. Tell me it's the same. No. Okay. His fight with Mike Perry, like it just, it's not the same. These are different type. It's a different type feeling when you get hit cracked with a different mentality on. to it. Yeah. Just yeah, knuckle to the eyebrow. It's not the glove. It's not the, I mean, the UFC got rid of the, the known, the, the bare knuckle. I mean, yeah. broken hands, but not only that, but a lot more cuts. And there's a reason why they got rid of it. You know, they needed something to make. I'm sure it had something to do with the sanctioning, too, to make it more yes, not it so brutal. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. hey, let's put some gloves on. But you still got to be able to grapple. And they, the whole adjustment of trying to make those to make those gloves. Right. And um, it, it had an impact on whether the sport got legalized in Nevada yeah, and other, in other states. But it's just a different style of fighting. I love Bar- I love what Bare Knuckles doing right now. I love it. Yeah. You know, the, they got to get a couple more guys, a couple more guys, and some other females in there. Yeah, but uh, I saw Paige Van Zant; she's going to be making her uh, return. Uh, oh, is she going to make well. her return? She's going to make her return again. I mean, she's crushing the OnlyFans. I mean, so she's going to she's going to do a fight that lets you know that she still likes fighting. All right, well, let's see it. Right. So I'm all for it. Uh, before we get uh, talk, speaking of OnlyFans, let's go right into uh-huh. OnlyFans.com slash Wayne in. OnlyFans.com slash Wayne in. Uh, head on over there and uh, check us out. We dropped a couple little extra videos over there for you guys during the holiday season. I dropped a couple little videos as well uh, with the stem cell treatments. And so check those out. If you guys are interested in doing the stem cell treatments, hit me up in my DMs on my Instagram at, at the real punk. Uh, 
John, it's John, I keep thinking it's Big John McCarthy, but it's not because I always type in Big John, it comes up. It's John McCarthy MMA, and uh, on Instagram and on Twitter, correct? Yes, it is. Yep. So I'm the real punk on Instagram and Twitter as well. Make sure you guys smash that subscribe button on the onlyfans.com slash weighing in. Subscribe there. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel where you guys are listening to us right now. Subscribe to us here. Hit the thumbs up and the little bell for notifications. Thank you guys so much. Uh, let's go, Dave. Give us some news, buddy. Yep. So uh, right before New Year's, Conor McGregor put out a tweet saying that he will be announcing his fight date and opponent on New Year's Day. Uh, he ended up posting a video from dinner, uh, just and he said uh, that he's returning <laughs> June twenty ninth. <laughs> oh, Doctor Evil with the laugh! What a goofball! It was, <laughs> did you watch the video, John? No. It was so funny the no. way he laughed at the end. It was the guy who just—it <laughs> was like Doctor Evil. It really was. That's all I could think of. I was waiting for him to go. Yeah, uh, it was just it was so funny. It was just like it was it was hilarious. Anyways, sorry, Dave. And, and um Oh you're good. Uh and so he he first said returning June twenty ninth, International Fight Week, opponent Michael Chandler, and then he right before the laugh he said at hundred and eighty five pounds. <laughs> and so uh that was that was the reason for the laugh, I think. Oh jeez. Do you think it's gonna be at one eighty five? I mean, I don't see why I wouldn't. Chandler walks around about 190. I mean, I, I don't think. I mean, 185. I don't think Chandler wants to fight. I, I don't think Connor is going to make 55. And I think uh, Chandler make 55. I think it'll yeah. be at 170. But I think Chandler has waited this long, and he is waiting for his red panty night. He's waited yeah. this long, and he he's going to keep holding out. He will. He keeps believing this thing's going to happen, and I, maybe it is. I'm being I'm being honest. I was I said forever this fight's not going to happen, and I really thought that it would be Michael Chandler that would finally say, "Screw it, you're not worth it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on with my career. I'm gonna fight. And I'm gonna." And Michael Chandler has bit onto this like a mm -hmm. bulldog, yeah, and is not letting go. Man, you see, you know the dogs that are hanging from the trees and and they're just hanging. Well, that's Michael Chandler biting into those red panties. And not letting go. <laughs> it's just like, hey, okay. Yeah. I really thought that he would give in and say, screw this. I'm letting my career, you know, run by waiting for someone who I don't know if he's ever going to fight. And so he is, he's, uh, I guess, going to get his fight. We'll see. You know, still doesn't mean that this is the fight we're going to see, but. I don't think that I don't even think the UFC wants to see it at 185. And it, it's not neither guy is a 185 pound fighter. They don't have the frames for it. If you take a look at these guys and you put a real 185 against you, you're going to look and go, "Holy shit!" You know, obviously they don't belong there. But if you know they're both lightweight fighters, you know, and if the you know they could match up at 185 and do the fight, I don't know what kind of output you would get from them. I don't you know because they would be trying to be heavy. And when you're trying to be heavy, that's not a good thing either because you're putting on excess weight at times. You know, when George St. Pierre was going to fight uh, Bisping mm -hmm. and he was, uh, he was trying to put on weight, trying to put on weight, trying to put on weight. But when he was really in camp, he kept losing weight. His body mm -hmm. was responding the same way it always did, you know, and he had a natural basic 
you know, 12, 13 pound cut. And I remember him stepping on the scale. He stepped on the scale in front of me uh, before that fight with jeans on. And he was 187 pounds with clothes. And he was like, I'm trying to put on weight. I can't put on weight. And it's just, you know, hey, yeah. you know, you're, your body's going to perform, I think, better. And, and finally, you know, I, I, I told him, I said, don't worry about the weight. I go, this is not about, you know, you being bigger. It's about you being faster. It's about you doing these things. And, you know, that's what ended up, you know, kind of winning the fight. But I look at, you know, I don't, I don't believe that they're going to fight at 185. But I thought it was funny that he put it out like that. Yeah, I don't think it'll be at 55 either, though. So I, I, I would either. agree with you, probably either. 70. Because what's going to happen is they, as they get closer to the fight, neither one of them are going to be able to keep that kind of weight on. Now, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, like I was, what did I, I said this about another fighter, John Jones, when I was said, like, what are we waiting on for the Stipe and John Jones fight? Like, we don't need to see a title with it. Just strip, strip John and then have them fight, have him and Stipe fight. No title. There doesn't need to be one. Okay, let's get let's not get off topic. But my point is though, is it guys like guys like John Jones, guys like Conor McGregor? I don't need to have an attached title to it. I don't need to have attached weight to it. If you guys can to a, if you guys can agree it fits at 180, a catch weight. That's what I loved about Bellator. Both fighters were not fighting for a title. They're like, hey, if you guys want to fight at 170 or 165, ahead, let's just yeah. do that. Why they put get, yourself they'd give the you any cut? weight you guys agree to? Yeah, as long as you guys both that. agreed to it, like, hey, what do you guys want to fight at? Like, what does the weight matter if it's not a title fight? Yeah. It doesn't matter. I think I think Dana's argument has been in the past that then there's no advancement to the to the to, in the division. You don't you can't advance somebody if like you're not if you're not fighting at fifty five. Then how can you rank at fifty five? Okay, so the, the, all right, I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong there, and I'm not saying Dana's wrong because it doesn't have a lot of it, but. If you if you're a 155 pound fighter and you fight at 160, who cares? Yeah, you could advance them in the 155s. And, and let's be honest, if Michael Chandler beats Conor McGregor, where's his advancement? If he's no. at, if it's at 155, where's the advancement? Does he go up? He doesn't. His bank account does. You know, Conor will obviously <laughs> come in because he's not even on a list, so he'll he'll have some advancement, I guess, but. No, there's just, there's no, weight only matters when you're talking about title fights. Yep. What do you think about this fight? I'm being honest. You know, I know, I know, uh, I've talked with some people that, you know, have been around where Connor's been training a little bit and they say he looks good. They say he's big. They say, you know, he's got, you know, pretty good power. You know, he's, he's hurting people with punches and stuff. And it's like, well, he always did that. Yeah. You know, that was never something that, you know, he had a problem doing. So, um, I look and I go, he hasn't fought in a long time. And there's a big difference between, you know, fight speed and training speed, sparring speed, everything we do in the gym speed, it's just different, but I'm going to say Michael Chandler hasn't fought in a while either now. So it's kind of washing it out. There's obviously, you know, Chandler has fought, uh, you know, in a sh- shorter time of frame, I guess, than, than Connor, but still he's been, it's over a year now. <coughs> Excuse me. It will be over a year. Definitely. By the time he, uh, yeah. gets back in the cage. 
I would have given probably Connor the advantage a little bit. Um, I guess prior to the leg break, but I think the calf kicks and the leg kicks against Chandler are something you really need to use. And people think, oh, because he's got the plate in his leg, he's gonna be able to kick. No, no, it's gonna make it worse. It's gonna hurt. Yeah, I've had a plate in my leg since two thousand eight, two thousand nine. It doesn't make it better. It makes it worse. It's horrible to kick with a plate in your leg. There's no flexion in the bone. There's no. It just hurts if you hit the bone. If you kick them and they check, you could probably break it again pretty easily. That's one. Two is if he does. If his bone hits your plate, oh. It's so painful for the fighter who has the plate in. Don't think it's the other way around. I'm sure it hurts them also, but no, it is painful for the person with the metal plate in. So I don't think Connor's going to kick as much as he normally would. Um, in terms of Connor's always or not Connor, but Chandler's always had a problem with southpaws, so that will give him a little bit of a problem in terms of how well Connor moves on his feet. But will Connor be the same fighter? as he was previously. Will he have lateral movement like he does? Will he be clean and crisp with his boxing like he has been? Will he do those things? Will he be able to keep that that bounce in his step past round one and a half? Because no matter how dumb Michael Chandler fights, and he always looks like he's tired after like a round and a half, he always can take a step back, a couple deep breaths, and he pushes on. Yeah. You gotta give the, I got to give the guy credit, man. He's got balls. The guy stands in front of you. He will exchange. His chin's not what it used to be, but he still has a good chin. He still he still can take some big shots. Connor's going to have to land clean and hard to get him out of there. I look at this fight. It really is. I thought you said earlier that the the betting odds came out and they have Connor as a favorite, correct? Yep. Yep. Minus 120. Minus 120 for Connor. Look, outside of outside of Knowing like whether how how Chandler's gonna fight this fight. That's the only problem with betting on Chandler. You don't know how he's gonna fight. Does he use his wrestling? Does he not? But even if he does use his wrestling, I don't know if his wrestling, because he doesn't use it as much, is gonna be good enough to hold Connor down. If Connor has a fraction of the defense that he had against Habib, which I don't know if he will, but if he has a fraction of that defense, it's Connor's gonna or not Connor, but Chandler's gonna have a hard time getting the takedowns, not only just getting the takedowns. He'll stop trying after one or two efforts. He'll be like, oh, this yeah. is just too much. I don't look at, Ch I look at Chandler and I think he's going to fight on the feet. He's going to yep. keep this thing on the feet the whole time. I he's going to try to, you know, he's going to try to switch stances and come in. But I, I also look at him and the way that, he, that Connor fought Eddie Alvarez. If he has the bounce in his step and he can stick and move in that first round, Chandler's going to be winging for the fences and he's going to get tired a little bit faster. He'll become target practice. He always has that ability, John, to land the one big shot. Chandler does. So does Connor. Chandler tends to leave himself out of position a lot more than 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 Connor McGregor. That's I mean, I would lean probably a little bit more towards Connor, but we just don't know which one we're gonna get. So it's hard to bet. We don't know which channel uh, we're gonna get because he doesn't fight smart. I will tell you right now, I look at the fight, I think it's tailor made for Connor. Just being honest, you you said a couple of things that are absolutely mm -hmm. true. Michael Chandler has a hard time with southpaws. They just create a little bit more of a problem for him. If there's one thing that Michael Chandler does, he's very linear in his attacks. He comes straight forward. He doesn't use a whole lot of head movement. 
it's a straightforward attack. Connor's great with someone that's like that, keeps their head on that center line and moves towards him because he just takes a nice little step to the side, blip, and then he starts piecing you up. The deep kick, he, I don't think he's going to attack the leg. I agree with you there. He's not going to kick at, at Chandler's leg much, but he will use that push kick and that deep kick down the middle. And that is very effective for him. It's like a jab to the body, and he uses it incredibly well. And the way that Michael Chandler is set up, the way he sets himself up, he's just absolutely open for it. And I just look at Connor's got a great chin, too. You got to give him credit. He's got a good chin. Mm -hmm. Now, Dustin Poirier, yeah, he knocked him out, but it was the leg kicks and the inability to move and then a little bit of exhaustion with it and all those things. Connor's got a good chin too. And Mike's got the chance of trying to land the big shot, but I don't think one big shot's going to put Connor away. Mm. And I look at it and I think that overall, you're going to see Connor McGregor taking that fight. Oh, heard it here first. Big John, big Ooh. prediction. Big John, big prediction. <laughs> the fact that Jeez. Michael Chandler hasn't fought in a long time really has changed, you know, because I don't think he's going to be able to wrestle him. No, I really don't. I don't think so either. He just doesn't use so it enough. Nope. All right, what else you got for us, Dave? All right, let's look at this next one. George Masvidal, man of few words, tweets out unretired. And I obviously got the MMA world, mm -hmm. bare knuckle world, all going crazy. Supposedly, a Nate Diaz fight in bare knuckle is, um, is on the books, but nothing confirmed. Yeah, I don't what know if he's going to be. Nothing confirmed. Yeah. I know some of the confirmed. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's not going to be bare knuckle. It's, I, think Nate, I think Nate and. Uh, and George ended up fighting in boxing. They're going to fight in boxing. I mean, that's the fight to make. If you're talking about other boxing matches, that's going to be the fight to make. So um, I saw that Jake Paul had already come out and said it, you know, uh, just the other day. And uh, I'm, I'm not trying to break news, but it was, uh, I think it's been talked about for a long time. These two guys would end up boxing. It would be in a boxing match, not a bare knuckle yeah. mac boxing match. It'll be a real boxing match. No kicks, no grappling, nothing, just all boxing. So, I think that's going to happen. And then I think you're also going to see Nate go back to the UFC. I think there is a good chance. This is what gets me a little. This fight with George and with Nate, I think it's supposed to happen the end of February. So if that fight happens the end of February. End of February, beginning of March. Yeah. Okay. End of February, beginning of March. Yeah. That fight happens between Nate and George. That gives Nate plenty of time to train for the end of June. Don't be surprised. If Nate Diaz slides in and tries to take I'm that spot, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, if you're the UFC, do you want Chandler and Connor or do you want Nate and Connor? Yep. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. Which one do you want more of? They're going to want the trilogy. Yep. And I think Masvidal and Nate's going to happen the end of February, early March. I think it's the end of February. And then I think Nate is probably like, Man, you're working. You're still in everything that I worked hard for. I'm coming for it. That's gonna be, you know, in fight week. I, I wouldn't be surprised. So that this whole slide to June for international fight week has made me believe that maybe that fight won't happen. He said Michael Chandler. I know Connor said Michael Chandler, but I think if you have to put Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor. If you put them in there and you've asked the fans and the people that are going to pay the pay-per-views, they're going to pay more to watch Nate versus Connor than they will to watch Chandler versus Connor. 
That right there. This is the money making business. Huh? It's the entertainment business, but it's the money making business. And the UFC, I think, knows what's best for their bottom line. I also think uh, Connor's like, I don't have many more of these left in me. Nate is a winnable fight. We're one and one. I know he's not going to really try to take me down. You know, Chandler may try to wrestle him. He may not. You know, I, either way, though, it's either way. I'm going to tune in for both. But I think that Nate would be the more the bigger pay-per-view draw. Probably right. But there's a lot of people that want to see the Chandler fight. I hear people talking. I, I do. Time. I do. Uh, yeah. I'm talking business, though. John, yeah. if you're if you're no, if you're Dana White, you're, you're talking business. You're saying which one of these is going to be a bigger draw. You've already got two two examples, you know, on the books. So you could look at those numbers and say, do I think that the Michael Chandler fight will draw those numbers or more? No. But well, John, they're one and one. So I mean. Do you, do we wrap the trilogy up, but like you can put a whole marketing ploy together to oh, say about this is the trilogy. This is the Come final on, match. And I have a poster sitting right here and it says, you know, anytime, any weight, anywhere with Diaz and McGregor's faces on it. It's a great poster and it's from, yeah. you know, UFC 202. It was their second match, but you know, you can go off of that and just put together one hell of a marketing thing for that third and final fight. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's kind of where I'm at. I think, well, and you, and you can look at it, you know, and saying, you know, it's the return of Conor McGregor. It's the return of Nate Diaz. Yeah, Nate is coming back to the UFC just for this fight. Mm-hmm. Conor is, you know, finally coming out of you know being injured. And it's his return to the the octa- All these things come on. Yeah, be huge. I agree. I agree. But we're gonna see the the Masvidal and Nate fight first. Yes. All right. What else you got for us, Dave? Because that was broken on the way. To <laughs> <laughs> oh well. All right, let's let's roll into this uh, last little uh, uh, heartwarming story here. Agnesic was was in an interview and he was talking about um, getting paid his fee from Fan- Francis. And uh, here's a quote from Eric. He says, "It was it was the most money I've ever been paid by a fighter. It was unbelievable. It was more than I expected." It, I wasn't expecting, obviously. Francis has always taken great care of me, but it floored me. When I saw my Wells Fargo account that morning, it literally brought me to tears. That's a true story. It literally brought me to tears because he changed my life. And he deserves it. Absolutely. And, and this is what <laughs> this is what I'm talking about when I say Francis Ngano is just a good guy. Because, Josh, there's too many times when you, you know of fighters and especially when it gets into the boxing world too, of you know, there's a there's a percentage breakdown for cut men, for different people that are in your corner and stuff that, uh, what they make, and many times you know you'll go all of a sudden they'll get that that the boxer will get that big fight and that big money fight, and all of a sudden they'll look at this and say, hey we're going to change those things we're I'm not paying you you know that percentage, and it's like. All this time together, all the things that we've done, all the work, and now you want to change it. And that happens all the time. And so for Eric Nixick to put out there that, hey, not only uh, did he, you know, pay me the most money that I've ever made, he put me in a position where he literally has changed my life by just 
this one fight and putting that amount of money into my bank account. I can't tell you how, you know, you, you know, guys and, and trainers, they work their asses off. And the ones that are really good, that don't care about the limelight, that only care about the performance of the fighter, that put the fighter first, that do all the things the right way, man, they're worth their weight in gold. And I just love the fact that Francis Ngannou did that for Eric Nixick. I'd like to see it done for all of the good ones because the good ones are special. Yeah, they and are. they deserve it. Yeah, I mean, I I can list off a couple of the good ones right off the top of my head. Mike Brown yeah, being you can one list of them. Off, and you can Eric list off Nixon, a bunch of bad ones. Henry Hoof, like those are the three that yeah. come right off the top of my head. Javier Mendez, yeah. like those four trainers. And I know, like, I, I've heard nothing but great things about uh Greg Jackson and yep. everybody else. I, I I'm not I'm not knocking any any trainers whatsoever. They put in the work. They're there at fights. They're like, man, they're at fights that like the 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 fighters just grown attached to them that they're like, I've barely worked with you, but like you have something with me. So okay, I'm gonna come. Those are but what I what I wanna talk about really with this, John, though, is that when things like this happen, this allows the trainers now to really focus on being a trainer for all the other fighters. When you yep. have one person that shines like this with Francis Ngannou and Eric Nixick, Francis paying them out. Now it gives, and I, I read this with uh, Cub. Cub brought it up too, and I'm glad that he brought it up because I was thinking this the whole time. But Cub said, this gives him an opportunity now to just focus and not have a day job and not have to worry about, man, do I got to go to work or I got to do side jobs, whatever it is. I can now just focus on being a coach, being a coach to all the other fighters that I represent. Those are the important things right now. That's all I want to do. When someone loves it as much as Eric Nixick, and you can see it the way he talks about his guys when we talk to him. It's it's not even have to be like in front of people. It's just us behind closed doors just talking to him. This guy's so great. This guy, this this guy, that. Like he has nothing but great things to say about his his guys that he works with. And for him to get a big purse like this and potentially an even bigger one coming up, I mean, now he can really focus on doing things for his family because, look, it's hard as a coach to not realize when your next big payday is coming in. That's one. Two is like, can I buy a house yet? Can I not buy a house? I don't know if he owns a house or not, but I'm saying like, you know, if you're coming up like that, I don't know when my next big talent's going to come. I don't know if my talent's going to get hurt at training and never fight again. I can't go out and buy these houses. I can't go out and buy a house and put my family in it and not know whether we can afford it. There's a lot that goes into this. And when he, when he said he's changed my life, I mean that, that I heard that. I yeah, felt that. Resonate. I felt that. Yeah, I felt that when he said that. I'm like, because there were several moments, there were several moments in my career where I got, for me, it was life-changing money. It wasn't Conor McGregor money. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a million dollars. No, it wasn't Francisco <laughs> money. I mean, it wasn't it was even good. a million dollars. You know, like it wasn't even a million dollars, but I made good money. It was definitely, and living in the Bay Area, it was not cheap. And so just seeing how much money I was able to bring in, like that to me was life-changing. But it also made me stay focused on what my goals were because now I own a house. Now I own this. Now I own that. Now you got to – it seemed like more money, the more responsibilities I put on myself. But oh. it was life-changing money. And it's, it was great to – I was reading this and I was like, man, this is really cool. And like I said, Cub Swanson had also commented about how people don't talk enough about how fighters that take care of their coaches, it gives them an opportunity to continue to do what they love just like you, just like them training you to do what you love. 
it's the same thing. You guys are two peas in a pod. You guys work together. You guys make each other better. And uh, it's great to see because Eric's a great guy, man. Absolutely great guy. I've met Francis, but I never hung out with him or anything like that. So I can't speak too much on on him. But you've said nothing but great things about him. So I, I kind of like you. So I kind of take your word for it. All right. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> what else, Dave? <laughs> Dave, what else you got? Yeah, we'll wrap up on that one. Oh, no, Dave. Dave. No, no. We're not wrapping up on that. No, Dave, that. Dave. Come on, Dave. Dave. There's one thing we got to wrap oh, the up on. glasses are on. Yeah. The glasses are on. Dave, Josh we've... is pulling up the highlight reel. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, the 18 inch dick. <laughs> no. John, no, the what went the one thing? Mind. Uh, go go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. There was there was uh something we talked about earlier. Yeah, the to, one. There, there you the go. We wanted to share. You don't want to talk about the 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 Mexican guy with the eighteen no. inch. Come okay, on, okay. guys. Hold, hold on. I want you to think <laughs> about this. Josh sends us a thing with this poor Hispanic guy who is has well endowed. It's not well endowed, dude. <laughs> it's, that's a curse. Just just think just think about trying to run. Jeez, man. There's just no way. He's, I mean, no, he's got to tie his to his leg. <laughs> so fucked That's up. That's just horrible. 18 inches. Only had sex oh. once in his life. That's when you know yeah. it's a curse. Only had yeah, sex you know once in his a life. Curse. Yeah. I mean, you know how many girls he got into the room and then they were like, let me see that thing. And then he fucking whipped it out. And they're like, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to no, work. It is not. I, man, they called it a disease. I was like, oh, man. It is a disease. That's a blessing. And then I realized it's not, <laughs> it's not a blessing. As I was watching more of the actual uh, story on it, I was like, no way, bro. That's horrible. Horrible. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and talk about Sean Strickland. Let's go. Yeah. So he second time now he's posted um, a picture of his speed that he's doing in his Tesla. Um, so I don't know if it's uh, the smartest thing to put on Instagram, but um <laughs> But he did post in the last the last twenty four forty hours that he's he was doing one hundred thirty five miles an hour. Hmm. Um, That's you nice. know, you we we talked about it and and it wasn't so much the Sean Strickland thing, but it was the fact you guys had stories to share as well. So that was kind of the oh purpose of yeah. bring, bringing this up. Well, John, I mean, Dave, what's the fastest you ever driven, Dave? I've been a passenger at one hundred forty for for a few seconds. Kind of shit my pants a bit and said, never again. You were the passenger. <laughs> yeah. You were the passenger. I feel like being the passenger was probably worse than being the... Well, I can't... Nah, because I was up no. to 150 as the passenger. 151, 152. Um, the fastest I've ever gone, John, I know yours is going to beat me because you're a cop and this is what you guys do. Is... <laughs> That's nothing to do with being a cop, dude. Trust me. None, um, of, my, none of my fast times. Oh, anything, I was looking out for cops. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, buddy. I believe you. Um, like, so I was on the... What's the what's the highway? Is it 15 or 215 that goes on around uh, Red Rock? 215. 215. So I was on 215. It was uh, me and Bobby Southworth. And uh, Mike Swick uh, was in another car. We both had rented Lambos. So one of our sponsors had rented us some Lambos and we went out that back way and, and, um, we were out there. Bobby drove first, got us up to about 152, 53. I was like, all right, I think it was maybe enough to close to 154, somewhere around there, as I recall. And, um, he was driving and I was, I was a little nervous. I'm like, you know, how's it feel? Everything felt fine. We were in a convertible Lambo too. So anyways, we get out there and I'm like, all right, so 
I we switch cars. I drive. John, this is the this is the funniest, but the scariest, but funniest story I think I can tell is that I get this thing up to 172, 73, somewhere in there, right? And I'm I'm like I start to feel it was real hot. It was probably about 106, 107 degrees that day, maybe a little bit more. Anyways, I started feeling the car kind of drift a little bit lane to lane. So I'm like, I start trying, I'm like, I'm cruising at this speed about 170, 171. I look in the rear view mirror. There's this guy on a Jixer. He, <laughs> he, he, I'm passing right cars. He right. comes right up next to me, takes one hand off the handlebars and flips me off and then <laughs> takes off. And he left me there like I was standing still. John, I'm doing 170, and this guy takes his hand off the handlebars on a Jixer, flicks me off, and just takes off. He goes, looks back, floors it, and he is gone. Gone. Holy shit! I I was I was more I was more impressed. As soon as that happened, I just slowly let off the gas because I started drifting lanes, and I was like, "Oh, this is getting a little too scary." That guy, though, what kind of balls do you have to have? to be doing 170 and take your hand off the damn handlebar taking your hand off because it, it, trust me it's just even bringing yourself up off of the tank because it's it's a lot of wind the fastest i've ever been on a motorcycle i, I had a motorcycle i had all kinds of fast motorcycles because i love i've always loved speed and i've had the hayabusas and i had a i had a kawasaki cx zx 1400 and it, i turbocharged it and it would do about i got it up to about 215 and uh dude it was because i mean everything is down everything's in tight and everything and man things are just as it's going by right and as soon as you decide to let off and you flare your legs out and your head comes up it's like you're like a parachute right and it's just slowing down fast but 215 was the fast i've been on a motorcycle 200 in a car i used to i used to travel whenever i do fights in vegas I would always do the fights and I would drive there and then I would go home right after the fights and, you know, I would go have dinner with guys or something like that. But, you know, we'll say one o'clock in the morning I would take off. So I would get home by, well, <laughs> you know, you got to figure I was living in Valencia at the time and I would, I would try to see if I could break my time record. You know, and the, the fastest I ever got there was two two hours and forty minutes, forty one minutes. I made it from Vegas to Valencia. If you break that down, that's averaging, averaging with every stoplight, with everything that you have, that's averaging about a hundred hundred miles an hour the entire way. And I would go on the downhill. I had at one point I had a, a Corvette Z06, you know, seven liter engine. And it, it ran great. And I had, did a couple things to it, but on the downhill of, of the, uh, on the 15, I could get it up to 200, 201 right at, and it wouldn't go any faster, but it was the same thing. It almost felt like it was, yeah. it was getting light and everything. No, thanks like, man. Oh dude. I love speed. You know, and that's why, that's why I never wrote tickets. I would be a hypocrite. Aww. I broke every damn speed law there was. That's just no way, man. There's so not, 135. Two, yeah. 
Jeez. Sean, yeah, come on, baby, step on the step no, on the no, Sean, don't I would step, say step on, on the gas. The, I would say step on the gas, but oh, that's, that's right. an accelerator. <laughs> that's an accelerator. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, look, I know we kind of rambled a little bit in the beginning, but uh, I just want to talk about you know the past uh, 2023 and talk about kind of what the expectations are for 2024. I expect a good year for 2024 and uh, a positive sure. year. I want to I want to make sure that we all understand that. There's a lot of things going on around the world. We're alive. We're around our loved ones and just keeping enjoying that and um, and be happy. Be happy for what you have. A lot of people sit at home and pray for what you have, you know, and they wish they had what you had. So just take that into account and be happy and uh, wake up the next day and live another life, another another day, another life. All right. So I uh, want to thank you guys so much for continuing to support us. Hit that subscribe button down below the thumbs up and the in the notifications also the little bell there and uh before we go go to wayneandmerch.com pick up some of our apparel hoodies hats all that stuff is up we want to thank you guys john take us away bud for everyone out there i hope the start of your 2024 is fantastic and only continues to improve thank you for tuning in and we will see you